Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. things I missed about being on the mic, but I'll tell you this, the happiest I may have felt during my time at WFNZ is seeing what I believe to be a a very genuine smile from one Josh Fitty Marlowe saying, it's good to have you back. I had never felt more close to you in my life than that one moment because it felt real, Fitty. We oftentimes during pre-show, we oftentimes on the actual show fight and bicker, but that (laughs) felt real. And now I'm just about to be this big pile of mush because of all the sentiment that is surrounding us right now. Yeah, like, make no mistake, you are still the sarcastic guy that you always are in the pre-show. And I didn't miss it in the pre-show. Right. But uh, the three kings are back, baby. We are back. Wes. Yo. Standing right across. Not even standing. I'm sitting across from you. How good does it feel to have me back did you did you do okay with willie p as he filled in yeah man i think we did great but it's nothing like like i said i dubbed this yesterday mm-hmm. jason williams chris weber and Fiddy's page of Stoyakovich. Man, Stanford P. writing in, Walker in the house. I appreciate you. I appreciate all the listeners for checking us out. Wes and Walker from 12 to 3. You can text in the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. Now, it does kind of change everything that I was going to lead into here. The, the fact that, I mean, I'm not kidding. I had this whole plan and this whole intro that I was going to try to come about with today. And then the fact that Fiddy smiled at me and said how much he missed me the way that he did it changes everything because i was going to bring up what i listened to yesterday (laughs) about how i just check out of the show during commercial breaks and how when i check out it's not because i actually pay attention to the show or do work for the show no i was accused of doing something else beef supreme wrote into the text line saying i'm probably just researching aquariums which is a tank buddy of mine big shout out to beef supreme but that's something you thought was an insult and was hilarious and i I was really just going to come at you today but now i don't know what to do because of all these mixed feelings i mean look you can still come at me because as much fun as i'm having right now i'm being nice to you Mm -hmm. by the second or or third segment i'm gonna be in here being fitty and having something snide i walked into the studio and you were like you look you got something smart you want to say and and i totally did i know you so well now and it's funny like i i did wonder i was gonna say man I, i i hope i still know how to do this whole thing and then as soon as you walked in and had that smirk I was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly. I mean, I'm, it's like riding a bike hosting here at WFNZ. I know exactly what to do. I figured the, the things that I did dodge by having COVID and being out for a little bit, I'm sure I don't I don't know if the ball was dropped. I mean, I, I was out with COVID. I know you put that on, on Twitter. It wasn't mm-hmm. any kind of secret. And then I wasn't allowed to come back because boss man held me out for five days. 
And I said this even on with him just doing the last three minutes of his show. I tried to get back earlier. I did not want to miss Monday and Tuesday. I had to miss Friday because I was full-blown COVID, man. It It was bad. But yesterday and Monday, I was good. Talked to Jeff on Monday. He said, you know what? Walker, if you sound like the way you do right now on this phone call, I'll be honest with you. I don't want you doing the show. I was like, damn, Jeff. <laughs> what did you sound like? I, I don't know. I, I guess here, maybe I sound like this. Squidward? I'm, tr- I'm holding my... <laughs> I do sound like Squidward. Maybe I look like Squidward more so as well. I, I don't I don't want to be that, though. Hopefully, I can sound better. Hopefully, I can give better takes. Um, are, are we going to do the old familiar riding the bike thing? Are we going to argue about J.C. Horn today? Are we Are going to talk about maybe some who's more athletic between Iki Aquanu <laughs> and Tristan Wirfs and Brian Burns? And we're going to do all that, play play all the hits? I absolutely want to do that. Talk Sports Guy is I was, back. I was about to, I, dude, I was going to hit the breaking news sounder uh-huh. just to say welcome back. You're home because you've already pissed off Talk Sports Guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was three minutes in. I literally looked at the <laughs> clock and saw it switch from 12.03 to 12.04 and talk sports guy came in with a talk sports message before we even got to the fourth minute somebody else wrote in bunker hill back in the house catawba county represent it's good to be back we're pulling up to the scene i got my luggage let's get off the bus we look good getting off the bus i got something to say It feels good to be off the bus. I got to tell you, though, it felt a lot like unemployment the last few days because from the last time I had a job before I started doing WFNZ stuff, and then I, I wasn't sick, so after I tested negative, I could go out and about. Wes, it felt a lot like unemployment. Like yeah. it, it felt so weird because you weren't contributing to society. You weren't allowed to contribute to society. <laughs> and so you either had to be at the house or you just had to like figure out something else to do. And so I did a couple of things for the show, despite what Fiddy might have you believe. I did work on a new drop for us today, so maybe we can bring out the foul line at some point. But I do want to ask both of you, have, have you ever been unemployed for any stretch of time? And like, how was that period? for you when you really didn't have anything else to do because that's that's exactly it reminded me of that feeling during the summer and during the spring in which I did not have a job outside of Lockdown Hornets. Yeah man I have been and it is not fun at all (laughs) you know the days are just and the longest part of the day is probably the midday it's like you get through the morning but once you hit that 11 o'clock 12 o'clock where there's not much on TV You've already watched Sports Center. That's how people get used to soap operas. Yeah, you know, and you're just trying to find stuff to watch during the day. It, it, it's pretty rough, man. And you're just thinking about how the fact that you're not working a job and out and about. Because when you work, man, it just takes up a lot of your day. You get home, you get in a routine, you have a routine every day. But when you're unemployed, it's just like you just a nomad. Cleaning nonstop. Okay. Like nonstop, just wiping down counters, trying to organize stuff that has not been organized in quite a while. So it was nice to be able to try to get the house in order for a little bit. But that's really all I was doing. And so that was my COVID experience. It was bad on Thursday and Friday, but then was able to get over it. And I did obviously watch the Carolina Panthers game. So allow this getting off the bus segment to get me caught up on what some of your thoughts were. Let's and then go. I'll share some of my thoughts. So with Carolina... I was I wasn't surprised that they lost because remember when we were coming in after the win against Seattle we had talked about whether Carolina fans were actually kind of underestimating Pittsburgh 
when Kenny Pickett was quarterback, now he wasn't in this game, but when, when Kenny Pickett made that switch, Mike Tomlin had those guys playing 500 football with a lack of talent, with an offensive line that wasn't all that great. I'm not surprised that Carolina lost. I'm surprised that they got dominated in the trenches. That's what I was surprised about. Not even so much on the edges. Like, it's not crazy to think that a rookie left tackle, despite playing well all season, struggled with one Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt. It's not even crazy to think that a great tackle in Taylor Moten, who's not all pro, but pro bowl level tackle in Taylor Moten, it's not crazy to think that he struggled with maybe the best pass rusher in the NFL in TJ Watt. That's not crazy. It's the inside, man. It's the fact that they couldn't run the football at all. It's the fact that they couldn't stop the run. And Pittsburgh was way more the physical team. Like, that was Carolina's identity, is to say, I'm here to take the punch that you give to us, and I'm about to make you fall over with this punch I dish back. Nah, man, that's not how it worked out between these two teams. That's what I was most surprised about. Yeah, uh, I was just... I had said last week I thought that this, was, this would be so Panthers for them to drop this game because I felt like the fans were really overlooking them and forgetting the fact that their 5-8 and eight football team were coming into this game. So I thought that Carolina was right for an upset. I even thought Coach Wilkes after they beat Seattle, I mean, he sounded, you know, a bit proud after that game. Win. Like he was it talking was. his talk as if not necessarily the job was done. I won't put that on him, but he was talking his talk after that game. So I felt like the Panthers were ripe for a letdown, and uh, that's what happened. I did not expect, like you said, for them to get dominated in the trenches like they did, but I just thought they would have a bad game with mishaps everywhere, especially with the backup quarterback that they were facing. Uh, I just felt like this was going to be a a game that was going to be for the cutting room floor. Well, and what I was going to say, too, is after Sam Darnold throws the touchdown pass, they answer to some adversity they had experienced at the beginning of the game. And that reminded me a little of their Seattle performance, right? It's the fact that nothing went perfectly, and yet still Carolina was able to win against Seattle. I was like, okay, great. They got ran on by Najee Harris and that offensive line, and their defense was not playing very well well but then Carolina answered cool like now we're kind of on even ground but it never it never got that way again then it just felt like Pittsburgh had control and then they went on the 35 play drive right I'll tell you I was watching the third quarter I was like man is my COVID back like my head is messing with me (laughs) Carolina has not had the ball in the last 13 minutes of the, I mean, to start off the second half, that's demoralizing for a defense. And so once that happened, it's like, yeah, that that's really tough to deal with for Carolina. I thought they would answer with that Sam Darnold touchdown pass. It was great. Then they just couldn't get it rolling after that. Yeah, they could not. And so this was just a uh, borderline embarrassing loss for the Panthers. I will say it was embarrassing. I feel like you had a team coming in, like I said, with a backup quarterback, a team that coming off a loss the previous week and a team that a lot of people thought that you should beat with the momentum you had coming into this game and not to mention that fans took over the stadium as well and they had a great time watching their team get a victory. Yeah, so it would end what you might call a winning streak. It w- I don't know if you can call two a winning streak, right? So they did lose after beating Denver, after beating Seattle, they lose to Pittsburgh 24-16. to It's not like they allowed a ton of points, but they could against Detroit, the way they've been playing offense here recently. Jets, great defense so held them in check for a little while but they are going to have to get it figured out in this next game against Detroit. I also have some Charlotte Hornets thoughts right? Goodness gracious so does Bobby Marks. Just went off on the Charlotte Hornets on his YouTube show the front office insider show also had a write up a part of the Hoop Collective for ESPN saying that there's been a fundamental problem in drafting. They need to change that philosophy and Wes 
there were a couple of things I agree with, but ultimately, and look, Bobby Marks is a great guy. Like he's been so gracious with his time with me over you know the last five years, right? Awesome dude. It felt a little too easy to rant on with the Hornets after you look at them being last in the Eastern Conference standings, still basically are, even if Detroit now has the worst record in the Eastern Conference. I just felt like there were too many different things that were a little misconstrued. He didn't bring up the injuries once during this rant that he had on YouTube. And I'm sorry, that matters. It matters a lot. It might not matter in the overall arcing theme of how they built this basketball team. Yeah. It certainly matters with their worst record in the Eastern Conference, though. Like, you can't deny that with LaMelo missing so much time, Gordon, Dennis Smith Jr., Cody Martin, the backcourt, the beat goes on and on. Like, that's how it is. So I do think there's a couple things he left out. What do you think about Bobby Mark's rant and just overall what you've seen with the Charlotte Hornets, how they've built this roster and how they've performed this year. Well, sometimes it makes you wonder sometimes with national guys uh, just how much they watch some of the things they talk about because for you to leave out injuries when talking about the Charlotte Hornets doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense to me because that has mattered. Even though I did think this was going to be uh, a lottery team once Miles Bridges went down with the trouble that he got into. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, just overall the way they built the roster, like I said, just so much had to do to me with Miles not being a part of it. I thought that really set them back a lot. And then the fact they didn't do much in free agency to improve things. And albeit maybe it was because of the stuff that happened with Miles. Maybe they didn't plan to do much in the first place. But I think this roster as constructed, as I said, I just didn't expect much from them uh, once Miles were back. But with everything that's there now, I mean, I feel like they can be a uh, a, a feisty team, I guess is the word I will put with it. I, they're go- they're going to be able to score, but just defensively they're going to struggle. It's a layup line to the basket pretty much every night with this team. I feel like you are at that point in the long road trip where there are a bunch of different highway exits you can take to either go west, north, northwest, whatever. A lot of different directions for the Charlotte Hornets team, and they got to figure that out right now, really on this West Coast road trip as they're starting to get some guys back because winning a couple in a row could give you this false sense of security that, no, nah, we can be feisty. Even if you're feisty, there ain't no award for that at the end of the season. You don't get a better draft pick. You also don't get a play-in appearance. There are some questions to be answered for sure. That I can absolutely agree with one Bobby Marks. Got a lot of text to get to. Feel free to send them in. The Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. We'll dig in a little bit more to this Panthers-Lions matchup coming up next on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's Wes and Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I do have one goal today, and that is for my voice not to give out during any take. I'm still kind of dealing with some of the residuals that came from COVID, but I'm just hoping I don't have to ask you to help, Wes, like midpoint where I'm just coughing, turning my mic off, and just waving to somebody to, to pick me up. I'm hoping I don't have to do that at any point today, but we'll see. The show is still young. We still have a long time to go to 3 p.m., in fact, and then we'll hand it off to the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. They'll take you the rest of the way from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. You can text us and share your thoughts on the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. I was asking about unemployment, people's experiences 
on unemployment. Somebody, Simon says, says I was an unemployed uh, a while, not long ago, I wouldn't have survived without Yellowstone. And that's a show I still haven't hopped on, but people love Yellowstone. I know you're a big fan, right, Wes? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Yellowstone. The last two seasons have been a little dicey, but before that, it's been a pretty good. I like this season, though, is building. So people love it. What's the new, it's 19, what's the new show? Oh, it's like, I think it's called 1923. It's like a movie. It's like a prequel type of movie okay. about the lineage of Yellowstone and the people who had the land before John. Yeah, I was about to say, I know people... Or his and, parents. Yeah, I know a lot of people like it. Thanks to Big Cat Dan writing in. Welcome back, Walker. I appreciate that. Uh, Wolfpack James, he wrote in, Yeah, the summer after I graduated took me about three months before I got my first big boy job. Spent two to three hours sending out resumes, then going to the gym. That doesn't count. For like, well, because I, I did that too. Yeah, summer before you graduate, that that doesn't count. I'm, yeah. That's not real well, unemployment. There, there has to be, but there has to be some kind Kind of window though i mean three months isn't awful i was unemployed coming out of college for like six months yeah trying but, to get in the radio game but you're a young whippersnapper you just out of college things are looking up so that doesn't really count i'm talking about real unemployment when you working yeah. for a while you have a job loss either you laid off or fired and then you out of work for a while and not knowing what's going to come next. Well, that's real unemployment. Well, I mean, that's right. Big shout to Locked On Hornets for <laughs> helping me out during that time after this most right. recent. Because, you know, my last time at the old station was like end of April and then hopped on here, you know, doing the rotating guest host thing in August. What was it like for you? Adam? Because you went to Fitty. It was Carolina School of Broadcasting or Connecticut. I always forget. It was the Carolina School of Broadcasting. I love that. No, I actually I fully endorse you calling it the Carolina School of Broadcasting. And then you came and interned with me for a little while. Yep. And then after that, it took you a little while to find a job, right? If It took me a while to get a job in radio. I had a uh -huh. job doing some like live streaming stuff or like with I was at a company where we live streamed um, boxing matches, and then we did some high school sports and stuff. And, and and with that, I did like a lot of social media stuff, like making graphics, posters, et cetera, et cetera. And then you know, COVID kind of brought that to a screeching halt, where I basically got paid to do absolutely nothing. Oh, that's not bad. Um, I was unemployed for a week. It was right before I went to broadcasting school, so my dad had fired me. I worked <laughs> that's, for, that's the sentence I wanted you to say. Yeah, that's the uh, one. He fired me from his electrical company. I'd already applied. I, I went to go work at Domino's because I had to find a job that could work around my school schedule as a delivery driver. And so I had a week where I was going through like the background check and all that stuff. He then later paid me. For not that's how much of a pain in the ass I was. Uh -huh. He paid me a full week to not come to work with him. Did you deserve it? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm you, the greatest employee ever. Did you deserve to be paid to not work though? Is my question. Yes, because this was the week before Christmas, okay. and I didn't have, I didn't have the Skrilla I had today. I love so, it. So you know, <laughs> it, you know, times were tight. I was like, dude, if you don't pay me, I'm gonna show up at Christmas with no gifts. So uh, he paid me for a week to not come to work. I, I mean, how much did that hurt? When that happened, I mean, to be fired by your old man, that's got to be some type. I mean, I, I would hate it. I don't know, though. I don't know that dynamic between you two, but you're all good now, right? Like, he would hire you. He was about to hire you if you couldn't work, even if you tested negative, right? Yeah, I mean, like, the good news about me is that I don't let my ego get in the way of things. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, it was, you know, I took it like a champ, mm -hmm. and I would just, you know, was out there. Had only fans been around back then, I would have I would have really survived. Wow. You would have sold some feet picks? 
and maybe some other picks. Um, well, <laughs> Stan- is Stanford P right in saying that you were a male stripple, a stripper for a while? You know, look, there are some things that happened on East Meeting Street in Lancaster County that I don't want to talk about. Okay. That is one of the things I am willing to talk about. People actually paid me to not strip. Okay, there you go. That's also, that you have figured out life when somebody, even a family member, is paying you to not work and also to not take off your clothes. You are living <laughs> life at the fullest. That is our producer, one Josh Fitty Marlowe. You can text in 704-570-9610, logo 704, said Fitty's life is a comedy movie. And I'm happy it's a part of Wes and Walker, and we appreciate you guys listening to Wes and Walker. Let's talk about this Panthers game against the Detroit Lions. Detroit, they've won six of seven. A really impressive turnaround for them after starting the season one and six. They're now a 500 football team that looks like they just might make the playoffs. Dan Campbell has those uh, those guys playing really well. And Wes, there's no mistake. It's the offensive side of the ball for Detroit that has you really believing in this team. Ben Johnson, the play caller, has done an excellent job. The best evidence of that is their fourth and one play call to win the game. And it turns into a 50 yard touchdown reception where just a complete blown coverage because the jets don't know what's going on at the line of scrimmage tight end gets lost. And then he's able to run it in for that 50 yard score. What do you make of this Detroit offense that Carolina is about to have to go up against? Oh, it's very balanced and uh, it's going to be very hard for them to stop them. They're going to have to play one of their best games of the season. You look at Jared Goff, 3,600 yards passing, 65% completions, 23 touchdowns, only seven picks. He's got the sixth highest quarterback ranking in the league. And then you go over to the rushing attack. It's 13 in the league, 13th in the league. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, not backs that are going to be household names unless you're a, a Georgia Bulldogs fan. I don't know where Jamal, Jamal Williams went to school, but Williams has got 14 touchdowns, 839 yards. That's the guy on Hard Knocks. A lot of one-yard rushes, yeah. Yeah, that's the guy on Hard Knocks that was crying. You talk about a guy that loves the game. He was crying during training camp, telling the guys how much last year he did not want to experience that again. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, one of the league's bright young receivers. So uh, they've done well. And when you talk about their turnaround and one of the biggest things about it, you heard Dan Campbell talk a lot uh, about just the little mistakes that they would make. And they lost a lot of uh, very close games. But through weeks one through eight, they committed 11 turnovers, including five in one game against Dallas. But since week nine, they've only had three total turnovers on offense. And one of them, you know, was end of the game against the Bills. And then on defense, they've recorded 12 turnovers. So they've really flipped that turnover margin around. And that's really helped them to kind of balance out those close games and not make those critical mistakes. No, it's been huge. You mentioned the turnover turnaround. And that has absolutely helped that offense for Detroit. That was Wes Bryant's take on why Detroit's playing right now, playing so well right now. Here's what Steve Wilkes had to say about the Lions. I just give a lot of credit to uh, Coach Campbell. He has those guys playing at a high level uh, in all three phases. Offensively, those guys do a great job of uh, running the football. You know, when you look at their offensive line, they probably, when the, when the ballot comes out, they're probably going to have at least two, maybe three all-pro players uh, up front, uh, which is very impressive, which is indicative of what you see in their run game and how they've been able to protect their running backs. Same thing here, you know, by committee. They all do a great job, you know. When you look on the outside, you know, the receivers, uh, you have one, Raymond, who plays also a return guy. He does an excellent job. Brown, 14, phenomenal, stretching the field. So they do a great job offensively. Yeah, it's why, to me, it's kind of an interesting evaluation for this offensive line for Detroit because I think 
when you look back at what they've invested in, they've invested in the O-line, yes. right? Like, they draft a Panay Sewell. They draft a Frank Ragnow out of Arkansas within the last five years to play that center spot. Monsters, right? Just complete monsters on the offensive line. And they are a top 10 run blocking unit if you go to PFF and some of the other measures, some of the other publications you go to. I feel like they're a better pass blocking team than they get credit for because PFF actually has them as a bottom 10 team when it comes to pass blocking, not at the very worst, but that's not what I see. Right. And and I, I wonder what leads to some of that, but it's the run blocking for them that allows them to maybe play off of some of that. And I think the play design is great. Not only have they invested in the offensive line, They've really invested in their offensive weapons and even more so than just drafting guys in the first round, even though they did that with Jameson Williams coming out of Alabama, Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, St. Brown is an absolute stud, just a technician out there at the wide receiver spot. And he's not the most explosive dude in the world. It's why he fell so far behind in the draft, but he's as valuable. He's as meaningful to a team as a lot of other wide receivers are in this league and third down, baby, they're going to Amon Ra. Like whoever's covering him for Carolina on Sunday, they're going to have their hands full. And so what's interesting to me is not only have, it's not like they went and spent a ton of money at the wide receiver spot, right? It's not like they've invested first round picks. They just hit on the bargain bin stuff. DJ Chark, good wide receiver for Jacksonville. I think kind of gets injured, was even injured this year. But when he's back. But he's very capable. Oh, yeah. Love DJ Chark for what he is. Yeah. Jameson Williams, when he comes back after that injury, catches a deep touchdown pass. Should have caught one against the Jets last week, but Jared Goff missed him, just didn't throw it far enough. Amon Ra, we know what he's been doing. He's been a catch machine the last couple of years. Kudos to that general uh, manager. Kudos to their front office. They've just done a really nice job getting the bargain bin stuff right and getting the authority positions right. Like Dan Campbell, I I think he gets a ton of credit for putting guys in the right position along that coaching staff. And if we're going to do the whole tie it back locally thing, if you want to try to pick blueprints to match, Detroit's not a bad one because it's it's not like they've done something so crazy, man. They, they, they hit on a lot of later draft picks, and that's hard to do. But maybe that's a blueprint to try to figure out, okay, maybe we can match that down the line. Well, also, when you talk about bringing it back locally, they have a similar mentality that the Panthers want to have. When you watch the Hard Knocks, I watched the majority of their season, and Dan Campbell and that crew, man, it's a blue-collar mentality in Detroit. They take on the identity of that town. As far as when you talk about the, the Ford legacy and all that type of stuff, man, but they're very much a, a blue-collar team that wants to play tough, hard-nosed football and be physical. And you see that, as you said, with the offensive line, with that running game and the way they go about their business, man, and the way that they draft guys, you know, especially with Aiden Hutchinson, you know, their the number one draft pick this past right. year, just a tough, hard-nosed guy that just won't stop. And they seem like they have a lot of guys like that that have high motors, that want to play hard. They take, they have taken on the mentality of the city of Detroit. There is one thing, and it's not like Detroit did something bad when they traded Matthew Stafford. That was, that was the right call. They needed to revamp everything a part of that organization. Yeah. They traded Matthew Stafford. Stafford, I think... They did the right thing, too, when it comes to the people part of the business and sending him where he wanted to go. Remember, Matthew Stafford could have gotten you more in return if you just traded him to Carolina. Adam Schefter came out with that report when Carolina was looking for a new QB 
that Carolina was willing to give Detroit more than L.A. was, but Detroit decided to do Stafford a solid by sending him to the Rams despite getting less in return. I think that stuff kind of plays out well for you in the long run. You You don't do that with every player, but number one overall pick, Stafford, Stafford led you to a couple of playoff appearances for an organization that hasn't had a whole lot of success. He did put up some crazy numbers, had a 5,000-yard season early on in his career. I felt that type of guy, you deserve to, okay, let's work out something that works best for both parties. Well, they parties. needed some goodwill after how they did Barry yeah. Sanders and after how they did Calvin Johnson. Good point. You know, two of their cornerstone players. So they needed to have some yeah. type of feel-good story with the way that they treated one of their legends on the way out. That's a great point because it got ugly between Calvin yeah. and that Detroit organization. I think they've made amends, and, um, and, but it's been it's been recently, if they have. I thought I saw something about that. Yeah. Regardless, it's a great point to bring up. But to to just kind of bring this full circle, it was the right call to just go ahead and bring in Jared Goff. And then after last year, I thought they'd move on from him. You know, at some point, once it was time to draft that QB, they probably would, and yada, yada, it'd be all good, right? Jared Goff's been playing well. And against the Jets, it was only about 6.6 yards per completion, but that's really all the doctor asked for, right? It's what it called for when you're talking about that Jets defense being very good. You had the one big play. And against the Jets, that's all you need because you're not worried about Zach Wilson so much that offense on the other side, and they were able to get the victory. Goff has been playing a lot better. Here's Steve Wilkes talking about Detroit's quarterback, the former number one overall pick. The quarterback, to me, Goff, I mean, he controls everything. You know, someone talked about, you know, his career, you know, coming back. If you want to say that, I I totally agree because I think he is doing a phenomenal job in orchestrating and running that offense, you know, protecting the football, which is always the main key to any success, putting the ball in the right spot. I mentioned all the, you know, the weapons they have, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, but most importantly, he's getting protected. So they're doing a tremendous job, and he's orchestrating everything. It goes to show you how important good quarterback play is in the NFL. He wasn't good in the first six weeks. Detroit was not very good the first six weeks. The second half of the season that's happened so far, he's been very good. And now Detroit is playing a lot better. What have you made of the transformation that Jared Goff has, even certainly since last year where he wasn't very good? Uh, Don't do it. (laughs) See, we starting to get good chemistry. I could tell that already. Because you already knew from me starting to smirk. Go ahead. What oh, I was, what I was thinking. You I, already knew. Is this, is this six degrees to Mike Marks? Is that what we're no, about no, to do? not at all. Not Mike Marks. Just saying that it's funny. You know, I thought Sean McVay made Jared Goff, and even when you talk about the beginning of the season, uh, him struggling. But in week two, he goes two fifty six, four touchdowns, zero picks. Week four, he goes three seventy eight, four touchdowns, one interception. He had a couple of bad games uh, in there in between, but he's played some pretty decent football this year but I think that golf you know he feels I think Detroit made him feel wanted I think Dan Campbell has done a good job of letting him know that he's the guy and I think he stuck with him even through his struggles and I think that Jared Goff worked through that uh like I said this is a number one overall type of guy you know so uh against the Jets he went 252 in a pick but then the two weeks before that he was over 330 yards and had five uh total passing touchdowns so Jared Goff, I think, has found his groove. I think he's embraced that city. They've embraced him. And so I think that's kind of just translated into how he's blossomed uh, in Detroit. And like I said, I just love the fact that uh, he's proven everybody wrong that the supposed genius in Los Angeles <laughs> is the quarterback whisperer. I set myself up for you this. know what I'm saying? I can only blame myself. Yeah. Is, is this the best offense Carolina's defense has seen 
this season? I'd say yes. Like it's 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 either this one or Cincinnati, right? And I dude, I I I don't know about you guys. I'm a red zone guy. The the Lions are on red zone every week because this offense is putting up points and yards and and I just feel like you know, Wes, for for a guy that has really pushed back on J.C. Horn not being a a shutdown number one corner in the NFL, I think we're really going to learn a lot about him this weekend because they've got a couple guys that they're going to line up at wideout. And I feel like if he goes out there and shuts those guys down and he holds them to below their averages, then you can't then you can't argue that he's a number one corner. But if he comes down and he gets exposed and this defense gets exposed, I mean, maybe there is some truth to J.C. Horn not being this elite player. But also, I think on the flip side, this is the best offense maybe Carolina has seen all season long. Well, I think it just depends on we're going to see what the game plan is early because I thought we talked about this yesterday with them saying that, oh, he shut down Pickens. And there's a little bit to be said there, but I also think the fact that the the Steelers found a matchup that they liked and they just continued to work it. And that's Orky what Taylor, man. Yeah. That's what the smart man does. He continues to do that. I mean, we talk about JC Horn and uh, you know, I don't have time to count how far down he is in coverage grade, but you guys still want to call him a uh, <sighs> shut down corner, but you know, the top guy's 89.6 coverage grade. He's 73.4. So you know, you guys can count how many spots down he is, but I think this week he will get more work than he's used to getting. Um, and so it'll be interesting. You know, he's a he's a good corner, but I think he's going to uh, he's going to get a little bit of work this week. But it'll be interesting to see early on how the Lions decide to attack this Panthers offense. Will they just continue to go to the other side? Because I think that's what a lot of teams are going to do. There's better matchups over there and in the slot. You're you're not. I'm I am getting tested on a few different counts. But that that was the argument at the beginning of the year, though. I, I completely agree with you. Is that they are going to test whatever other corner? Like that's even even if you don't think J.C. Horn is top five, top ten. Totally agree. Whether it's C.J. Henderson, whether it's Keith Taylor. They're absolutely going to test the other side. J.C. Horn was targeted twice against Pittsburgh, two catches to Deontay Johnson, but for 12 yards, I'm just interested because that's going to happen because you're right. It's the smart thing to do just to go ahead and test the other clearly worse corner. Not because even if you don't want to say J.C. is shut down, fine. C.J. Henderson, clearly worse by a significant amount. Keith Taylor, (laughs) Clearly worse than CJ in this most recent game. Rising against star the, Keith Taylor. I liked Keith Taylor too. <laughs> Awful matchup. Willie P's guy. It, well, I I always liked Keith Taylor too. Awful matchup though. Like Deontay is somebody very quick, small. Keith Taylor is always a big physical corner. But if you can't get your hands on Deontay, bye. Like Abysmal. that's abysmal. That's what happened with Keith Taylor in this most recent game. We can kind of go back and evaluate some of these other stat uh, other stats about Detroit, how they'll measure up against Carolina. I Plus, wish- Go ahead. I was going to say, I wish we could get Jared Goff on here to ask him if he's uh, in fear of the 20th best cover corner in the league. According to PFF, that's right. Like, that's, <laughs> yes, PFF. The one for his pass rush grade, ain't no telling how low his overall grade was. Uh, yeah, he's first in receptions allowed, passer rating, right. targets, because yards other teams, catch. Because other teams go to the other side and haven't played any, you know, a, a <laughs> litany of great quarterbacks and All right. receivers. But, All right. Uh, you know. All right. All right. What's the fitty flash? I can't 20th. do this. You... We can't keep doing this. Go ahead, Fitty Flash. <laughs> um, my, what do you? Okay, the Fitty Flash is going to be something that I mean. My day was made this morning when I woke up at six thirty, and I had seven text messages from William Eugene Palachik because in the middle of the night, the New York Mets, they're 
their superstar offseason continued as they sign shortstop free agent Carlos Correa to a 12-year, $315 million contract. The Mets have now paid, in this free agency period alone, $806.1 million <laughs> in, uh, in, in, in free agent contracts. Their payroll is higher than 10 other teams combined right now. That's before you even add on all the penalties that this team is going to face. But my man Wes, who came in here yesterday when I brought up some baseball <laughs> and started snoring on the air. He was did this yesterday? Me, yeah, was telling I me sure during did. the break. That the Mets are they're gonna regret that contract. He ain't nothing but an injury prone player. And that, you know, they shouldn't have given him this contract because the Giants didn't want to pay him. Blah, blah, blah. Wes, look, man, I'm gonna give you the floor because all of a sudden you got all this baseball knowledge. <laughs> Did the Mets make a mistake in giving Correa the bag? I don't know, man. It sounds fishy to me. Like I said, I, I surprise you with that. I just pop out like jack-in-the-box on you with the knowledge, you know what I'm saying? But when I heard about it, the fact that the Giants uh, didn't want to give him the bag because of they didn't like the physical, and then the Mets go and give him the bag and haven't even given him a physical, this sounds like Bobby Bonilla all over again, a guy that's going to be chilling in the dugout, the next Giancarlo Stanton that's going to be sitting over there on the sidelines chilling for 90 to 100 games a year collecting checks why you guys just keep spending all that Skrilla for a guy that's not going to play much for you. I just think that's a little Street bit fishy. I got to bring him in, and I got to give him that physical first before I give out the bag. All right, we have plenty more Wes Bryant baseball takes yeah, coming up. Before that, though, we will visit the <laughs> campus corner on the other side. Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Text line. I forgot to turn the whole mic on. Maybe it is taking a little bit for me to get used to things again. Don't shake your head at me, Fitty. You know, look, It'll you came back. in here and started bragging about you're just this ultimate pro and you didn't miss <laughs> I didn't anything. Say ultimate pro. And I mean, third segment, you forgot to cut your damn mic on. I did. That is true. I will take responsibility over that, but I'll blame you for something later on. I'm sure it'll happen. We still have a couple <laughs> more hours left to go on Wes and Walker. Let's go to the text line just real quickly. 704 number wrote in. Wes is correct. Mets will be a high-priced runner-up despite all of these signings. Uh, Taylor D. did write in that the contract is pending the physical. How upset would you be if this thing also flamed out like it did with the Giants? Yeah, let's hurry this the hell up because I want to talk about signing day. Oh, you want to talk about grown men celebrating 18-year-olds signing right. to come play with them? Yep. I mean, I wouldn't be overly disappointed <laughs> because like, it would just— I mean, it would just confirm that there is something wrong. Uh, but the Mets being a high-priced runner-up— I'd much rather be a high-priced runner-up than a low-salary bottom feeder. Okay. That's that's where I'm at. <laughs> there you go. You don't want to talk any more baseball, Wes? I know this is a newfound Not at love. the moment. This campus corner. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm hyped for signing day, so I'm ready for that. Well, the floor is yours. I know you're a huge fan of signing day. What have been your first thoughts seeing some of these signees come in? Oh, man, it's been excellent. Like I said, I've been keeping up with recruits and signing day, man, since I was probably... 
12-13 when I used to watch Countdown to Signing Day back in the day, I think with Jamie Newberg. So all my old well, older cats out there that remember Countdown to Signing Day. But, hey, you know, it's been some big recruits signing day, especially Arch Manning, the number two recruit. You know him, Peyton's nephew. Okay, this cat, you know, he, he signed with the University of Texas. I think Quinn Ewers is going to soon uh, be up out of there. He threw for almost 80 or threw for 8,600 yards pretty much and 115 touchdowns and 20 picks. People try to knock him. I have said at times that I feel like the last name might have gotten him that fifth star, but he does have a lot of uh, great attributes and in my opinion, he's been one of the biggest recruits in my lifetime as far as uh, and as far as football goes, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do. But he broke Eli's school record for passing yards, Peyton's for touchdowns, and don't forget Eli, Be- uh, Eli Beckham. Odell Beckham went to uh, that same high school he went to. Alabama signing class, they got 22 guys in the ESPN uh, top 300. It's ridiculous. They were talking about it this morning. They said they have the number one and the number two rated running back, the number one pass rusher, the number one safety. Like, they had number one this and number one that. But the number one overall recruit is Malachi Nelson, the quarterback that's going to USC. I like him. He looks a lot like C.J. Stroud uh, when you watch him play. I watched this footage early in the process. And then it just came down that D.J. Uyangalele's brother, Mateo, chose Oregon. He's a five-star uh, edge rusher. He's a big guy, though, man. I think he's around 275 or something mm-hmm. like that. Big boy. So maybe this may be where DJ Uyangalele ends up going, even though Oregon just picked up a huge commitment uh, from a top 10 player, uh, a quarterback. I forget. But they got a quarterback, a big quarterback, too. So it's going to be interesting to see if he does end up going there. My question is, if these coaches were coming into the Bryant household, uh-huh. Trying to recruit one Wes Bryant uh-huh. out of then Vance High School to come yes. to their school. Yes. What was that experience like for you as you were trying to figure out? I know you talked a little bit about the assistant coach from Florida uh-huh. that got you to go down south, yeah. and then eventually you chose Wake Forest after that. But yeah. what was it like coming out of high school? I mean, it was a lot of fun, man. I still have all my recruiting mail. Every last piece of mail that I ever got, I still have it. Um, but it was a lot of fun just going to school, your coach giving you your mail. Then once you know you fill out your questionnaire and it starts coming to your house. My mom can tell you a lot of good stories about that, about my ego and how ridiculous I was. I used to get mad if I didn't get letters on a certain day, if I didn't get phone calls. Uh, I used to love it. But uh, <laughs> but coming out, it was me and three of my teammates and stuff like that. So I wanted to go to the biggest school because I felt like I was the most underrated out of us three. And... Um, so would you just go and take it out on some of these edge rushers in high school? <laughs> like, I didn't get a piece of mail today. Yeah, I really wanted to go to Florida State. Uh, they didn't recruit me, so I was pretty frustrated about that. Was but that I, a wrap? Like, if they come, if, if Coach Bowden comes knocking on your door, is yeah. that, is that is Oh, that it a was a done deal. I wanted to go to Florida State really, really bad. And it was funny. I ended up going to Florida. But the coach, when he came, we had all the Florida schools come in one day. He told me, they kept their word. They said, we're going to come to your game. We're going to check you out. And uh, if we like what we see, we'll offer. And I just remember my mom busting in the door because I was getting antsy wondering if they were going to offer after they came to the game. My mom comes busting in the door telling me that it was the coach on the phone and they were going to offer. And I committed like, like right then and there. Like an not Bowden. Yes, yes. No, no, no. This was Florida. Oh, gotcha. The Gators. Gotcha. But signing day was fun, man. I remember waking up and they sing you your stuff a couple of days before that you have to sign. I don't know how they do it now, but they sing your paperwork and stuff to sign. I didn't do any fancy announcement, anything like that. Even though we did end up getting on the news that day, me and my two teammates, and they came and talked to us and asked us how it was. Uh, it was WSOC to be exact. 
But I just got up. I went and did radio at Power 98 that morning. Oh, that's awesome. I talked I on the you, radio. N- I, that ego just had to be bursting. Oh, yeah. It was off the channel. My mom <laughs> took me to Bojangles that morning. I got me a Cajun filet you were telling, breakfast. You were telling friends, hey, Power 98. Yeah, again, man. I'm shouting people loud. I'm shouting out everybody. You know what I'm saying? Then I went to school, went to the fax machine, faxed in my letter of intent. Went on about my day, and then later that day, you know, my mom came up there, and then the news came, and then me and my teammates, we had our little thing with the news, and they came to check us out. Fitty might be the youngest on the show, but he is going to have the oldest take right now, shaking his head at your ego, getting monstrous, <laughs> saying this is the problem that we have with college athletes yeah, these ahead. days. Well, when it comes to West's ego, it's still very evident, and that's one of the things <laughs> I love about my dog is that he's a boisterous man. Yeah. But there is something about – and. and what really struck me wrong was the way Larry Fedora used to act. Well, Whenever he, he just all walks of life, you mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean that guy's just a walking chotch. 100%. But like when he came in after they signed Quinshaw Davis, and I mean just acting like it was the greatest day of his life. There's nothing more disgusting than watching a 55, 60 year old grown ass man. Hey, hold on, hold on. Do we need to do it? Do we need to bring out the foul line for you to go out on Larry Fedora and some of these coaches that treat signees like this? So this is the drop I was working on. Fitty, especially, but Wes is not is not shy about going off on some other people, too, now. We have tried to figure out a way to fully embrace just going off on someone and just being completely foul towards somebody. I think it's time now to debut the foul line. With Fitty going after Let's Larry go. Fedora. They'll look at this to see whether this is a flagrant. Man, that, that was scary. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to see that again. you got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> there is just something about watching grown men gloat about an 18-year-old signing his letter of intent Get to come on. play football. And this was before NIL. And so, like, you're talking about kids that, yes, you're giving them a free scholarship. But but you're, you're also talking about a coach that's going to profit, a school that's going to profit, a program that's going to profit, off an 18-year-old deciding to come play football. Get but If that same kid <laughs> wants to transfer, and now we got the NIL rules, you got coaches like also still my current football coach, Mac Brown, get on that same microphone and then bitch and complain. Get up. Signing day is just, oh, I it is it embodies everything that is wrong about college athletics. The, I cannot stand it. That's a two. <laughs> Flagrant two. A Big time. Two, especially for that take. But I fully embrace all of that, especially towards Larry Fedora, who is a huge problem. I'll go with the charge, Nick Wilson, <laughs> yeah. moniker. Huge problem is one of Larry Fedora. I can't help but agree, though, and it's not a take that I want, to be honest with you. Okay. I don't want to be this way, Wes, but I just can't get behind everybody throwing a parade for somebody that chooses where to go to school. It's awesome, and I'm happy for that kid. I'm actually really happy for you in retrospect getting on <laughs> Power 98 and getting to brag to everybody at Vance. That makes me genuinely happy. Yeah. But am I going straight home to check the internet and the blog sphere about how, hey, Wes is coming to our school, yada, yada. This dude is like 17, 18. And I, I, I just... 
I just can't get there like you can uh-huh. as far as the fandom goes for signing day. I'm for the pageantry. Now, what I don't like is when, you know, the death threats and the threats and the, and the insulting the kids when they don't go to the school. With that. that I'm not oh, for. that's worse. You're right. Yeah, that's awful. Now, you should be, you know, stoned for that. But as far as just being excited, like I said, especially, you know, as a Wake Forest guy, we don't get four stars and five stars that often. So if we got a number one anything, I'm definitely going to be celebrating that. I think if you cheer for a school that, uh, you know, you're used to it, like the Bamas, the Clemsons, it's nothing. But when you're at a school where you can get a guy that can change the fortunes of your program, I think that's exciting. And I think for Carolina, even though I don't like Larry Fedora, that is one of those programs when you get a uh, a Quinshaw Davis, a potential, a potential <laughs> program changing recruit. I think uh, I think that's exciting and cause to celebrate. All right. Yeah. That is our visit to the campus corner and the debut. Fitty got to break it in. I beat us. It is insane. Oh, and we are getting a good feedback on the text line because it is. And it's the only thing that came to mind as I was trying to figure out what is an aggressive foul. And you beat? cannot find it on any of the streaming services. It drives me mad. You know what's hilarious, though? This hard ass beat that comes in and just makes you want to go against the wall and foul somebody flagrant technical all the fouls that i got for you intentional whatever no cursing in this song right hilarious yeah. and yet it still feel I, makes you feel like you're ready to curse somebody i told Fiddy last night i said my mom and bryce said we curse too much on this show they said we're doing too much oh really yeah well, bryce I, said we're doing a little i'm too looking much. straight at my producer i feel like it's mainly me <laughs> yeah. i did say I, you have kind of opened that up for me i used to never yeah say, i let a, i started letting know, a few fly my mom was like y'all starting to curse a here, lot on that show pressure. and i was like oh Fiddy okay is, yeah Fiddy's rubbing off on us too much right. way too much on the wesson walker show <laughs> <laughs> Plenty more of Fiddy and his bad antics coming up next. Two more hours to go. Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.